if that season had to change and I have to jump to another thing, I'll be able to do it, I'll do that, and I'll, I'll use pretty much the same advice, and then I'll focus on whatever the next thing. But as long as this season lasts, I've got to try and make sure there's this one thing you become a real expert and a step. You must be able to articulate it better than the next step. to the Workable Show. My name is Maynard, as always, and we are a community that's absolutely passionate about building a meaningful career and doing the work that matters. And today we are privileged to have on the other side of the camera, Marlu Bosov. Marlu, welcome to the show. In a minute or two, I'm going to tell the audience a little bit more about who you are. But for now, thanks so much for joining us and welcome on the Workable Show. Thanks, Maynard. It's great to just spend some time with you. So thank you. Definitely. Just to just to give people a little bit of an idea of your background, Mino has um, over 20 years experience of speaking with various different audiences. However, his passion is and always will be the business of people. Specifically, Mino has been helping organizations to strategize and formulate a master plan of their dreams and visions into workable structures, implementing those strategies for maximum efficiency, productivity, and effectiveness. Mino has been involved in helping people reach their purpose in life their creation destiny and fulfillment in what they do in their everyday work environments um, across the board, across different sectors and industries and workplaces, motivating individuals, teams and organizations to reach their full potential. That is what is at the heart of all that Manu does. Manu's clients include some impressive brands and companies, for example, King Price Insurance, who you might have heard of before, Afgrid Group, Regent University, Think Tank Designs, Oasis Water, and common friends of ours are too financial, working with them in areas related to leadership training, culture formation, change management, organizational design, and personal development. And hopefully we'll get an opportunity to talk about all those things a little bit. Marnu, I'm so glad you're here. We just talked off camera before um, I started the recording a little bit about your transition from working in one context for about 20 years, which for some of us is a lifetime, and then making almost like a 180 degree career change in a different direction. And I was interested to just kick off and ask you a little bit, what were some of the key moments and factors that kind of led to that moment where you decided you have to make a change and then just went ahead and took the leap. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, Bernard, I think there's, there's so many to be said on something like that, but let me try and summarize that. Like you say, it's, it's a lifetime of uh, being in one industry and, and people telling you, well, you know, you, you can never leave this. You've got to take over this. And you've got to do that one day. And it's like everybody got planned for your life type of thing. And then I realized, but that season just literally came to an end and um and everything inside you for me is always trying to be aware of of seasons in your life because I, I always found that people very often are very aware of what they want to do or they could become aware of what they want or desire to do etc but getting the timing wrong is a big thing but i just came to the end of yes. the year into a december holiday and it was very very clear to me that season is coming to an end very soon 
um, I started having conversations with people that really just approached me and said, Marty, you've got to leave that industry and come and work for us. And I was like, what? Ooh, why must I work for you? And what do you do? And anyway, and I think that the big thing that helped me is one day one person said to me, Marty, you, could, you can have a value shift in your life. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, it's difficult for you to, to move because you think what you're doing there is the most valuable thing to do. But the moment you realize that you can live a similar purposeful life in another context, and the day sort of that penny dropped that I could be as efficient, as effective, as purposeful in reaching people, but from a different stage, if you want to put it that way, uh, from a different platform. The day that reality switched in for me, because I was privileged to speak to anything between three or four and maybe 10,000 people a week, and I thought, it's the most effective thing. Nothing is more better than this, you know. And then people started telling me story upon story of how, from their platform, how they speak to people and the context within that. And that one day I just came home and I said to my wife, I'm ready. But like any other good wives, my wife was prepared way before me. to, to She was ready to leave. And I said, I think I'm okay now. She's like, what, what caused you to shift? I said, I just realized that I could be as purposeful um, uh, in another, on another platform, in another context. And I think when that penny dropped, it was just for me a quite a, a easy decision for me to make. So um, then I realized I could, I could shift and then I had a chat and then with more and more people, I, I then purposefully went and saw some people that was more in the industry of executive coaching and facilitation and um, organizational culture and, and, and strategic planning with, with corporates, etc. And the more every every coffee I had on that side, I want to say was just extremely stimulating. And, and all every conversation on the old side of the bridge was, was just, was just going, it was just like the sun setting and the sun rising. And it was quite clear. And I remember I was being offered to, to stay. And I was even offered a six-month sabbatical with full pay. And, and I remember that day was actually a very critical moment because that realized, then I, I said to them, listen, it's very generous of you. Thank you for that. But I realized all I'm going to do is going to have, I'm going to take six months of holiday on your, with, the, with the salary or the money. And after six months, I'm going to say to you, thank you for that, but I'm leaving anyway because you know when the switch inside you took place. And I just knew that switch took place, and I realized this thing is not going to play out right if I just stay and do nothing, which is also something I'm going to struggle with, is to do nothing. And so I, I had to jump that bridge and say, you know, it's time to move on. And, and as I made that decision, you know, reframing a new career was, my, was really my first challenge. It's, it's, it's finding myself yeah. in a new context and 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 you know, almost changing that surname of yours. I always said to me, they could have just as well thrown away my surname because it was, oh, you're Martin from there and there, you know? And and now it's, so the other day I started realizing, but people now call me Martin from King Price. So I realized, okay, my surname has changed now, you know? So all of a sudden people are now associating yeah. you in your, in your context, etc. And that takes a while. But I think for me, that first couple of months, I've, I very, very intentionally try to shift the way I speak, the language. Every every industry has their own language, and so I was I was quite 
intentional about changing vocabulary and changing the way you speak and just small things i think i was but i was very aware of changing from one industry one total different industry to to an absolute new and different industry so language mm. vocabulary and the way you speak and address people etc that i was intentional about changing but then in the same context i also had to find the commonality between the worlds to say but what was my what is my giftedness that i had there that i will still use here so it was understanding yeah. your own ability that core giftedness if i can call it that get you're going to have to pull on another jacket and your vocabulary and language will have to change you have to reframe sort of your world of how to be effective i think if yeah this is your first question that makes that makes that makes 100 sense i mean sure it is it is quite a jump though to to go from something where you've been embedded in for so long that's where your stability your security your sense of self everything is formed i'm i'm not also thinking of myself my own career and a couple of other people we're having on the show as well with similar stories but to escape that gravitational pull that place where you feel safe into something else which does as you said share some commonalities but there's also a lot of risk involved a lot of uncertainty involved to do that is quite commendable and um all right so i mean here's a little bit of a, of a follow-up question just zooming out tell us the short version if you can the short version of your career a little bit of how you um of where you started some of the major stops along the way and where you are now and what you're keeping busy with at the moment just give us a little bit of, of an idea of how your journey has worked out so i think the first my first 20 years of career where I was 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 in ministry so it was ministry based i studied theology uh, studied a bit further in theology and yeah help people i think it's the business of helping people um supporting people mm. um and i, I think maybe for the sake of the context of this conversation, because that's where a big shift had to take place. And then learning the preaching methodology of telling people what to do and what not to do and how to do it, etc. And I said, that's a preaching style of conveying information. Um, so that was the first 20 years full-time ministry went really well. I'm really thankful for those 20 years, gained lots of experience in working with people. And I think we were blessed to have a very, I was involved in, in, a, in a couple of really large congregations, so we had lots of people and, 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 and big audiences. Now, I, mean, I remember when I made the shift, one of the people that helped me transition said to me, Manu, you've got experience that, that nobody can buy anywhere, and that's speaking in front of crowds. Um, it's something that so many people desire to do or want to do or want to train themselves, but if you don't have a crowd of, of 2,000 people every week that you can literally speak to. So I think that was a, and, and I, I think I thought that's normal. And as people helped me, they said, well, no, Mona, you've had actually privileges in this world of, of speaking to people and crowds and groups and training leaders and et cetera, et cetera coaching and, and, and counseling and all those things that, that has empowered you now to be able to speak to an audience of one or an audience of 10,000, you know? So, and I think, when I realized, mm. oh, I thought everybody sort of can do do that. You know, everybody just walk up the stairs and start talking. I and mean, it became so normal. And then you realize, okay, this is quite abnormal. 
So you actually have a, a gifting year that you enjoy and, and, and you're passionate about. And so I think that for me was a big positive, you know, to just, as I transitioned into the, the, the corporate world and the marketplace, I just, you know, speaking in front of people and groups. Um, I was on a, on a TV show recently and, and, and the comments people gave me afterwards was, you see, well, how can you be so relaxed? And I think I'm maybe just quite privileged to have that experience and to say, I think I've grown past, I don't, it doesn't matter for me what the size of a crowd is, if it's one or 1,000, it doesn't matter if there's a camera, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, just convey the message. Why are you there? What are you saying? What, why do you have to talk? Uh, what do you have to talk about? And just bring it across. If there's a camera in your face, that's the same as, as your wife standing here with a camera or whatever. So I think I tried to downplay a bit of that context. And I think you have now for the last 10 years, helping organizations specifically with their organizational culture, um, which also once again puts you in a position of mainly speaking to exco groups, boards, uh, etc. So once again, the size of those organizations didn't really matter because I always said the leadership team is always something between 10 and 20 people max. So, so it's always actually just groups of 10 or 15 people and whether they're exco or shareholders or but, but it's, a, it's a core group and, and talking about organizational culture, which in essence is the dynamic of the people within that organization. So I think there the 20 years of experience with working with people has helped me a lot to, um, to, to get there. But I think one of the biggest, I remember a friend helping me to do the transition. I actually went and saw someone and said, I'm going to move from this world to this world. Can you help me transition? And, and, and the guy drew a little picture for me. He said, yes, that's what I do. We shift. Uh, paradigms and I said how do you do this said, mm -hmm. well your world has been paradigm A and uh, so we'll use this card I've got it says is this a, if this is your old world this is paradigm A and and, and this is paradigm B it says then what basically happens yes. is you will jump between the two in, and he calls it the dance of paradigms and he said because as you jump from your mm -hmm. known world to your unknown new world there's a lot of excitement that draws you to jump. And the moment you're there, there's a lot of uncertainty because you don't know this world. And then you jump back to your known mm. world where it's comfortable, your comfort zone. Mm. Well, that, that makes sense. And it says, but then you've grown too accustomed and you're actually frustrated. You say, no, there must be more. And you jump again. And then you explore a little bit more of this corner. And then you jump back as, as soon as it gets uncovered. But every time you explore a bit more, this from A to B, B starts growing bigger. And it said the day you jump to B and you stay in B, that's the day the shift has totally taken place and the dance of paradigm sort of stops. And then he said to me, but Marty, your, your new world is not B. Your new world is C. It's, it's the combination of A and B. You will always have that world to draw upon. You'll always have a new world, but now you actually have two paradigms that you can draw upon. And I think a lot of that helped me to continuously try and reframe and, 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 and reassess and understand what the new paradigm must always mm. be moving forward and going through change. All right. That, that makes 100% sense. I think I, I always at the end of these conversations, I ask um, some of the guests what their advice is for people. But I think now is as good as time as any. 
Um, I remember, Manu, um, meeting you almost decades ago in your previous context and seeing where you are now and the places that you operate in now is so encouraging just for myself and I'm sure a lot of other people that are watching as well. It's quite a non-linear career path. Our, like, I'm, I'm not sure about yourself, but our generation and people that might be even a little bit older than us um, were more used to the fact that you went and you could study for three years and then you get drafted into a company and you start your career and you work your way from the bottom up and you stay in that context, in that industry until you retire at age 60, 65 and you live on your pension. But the world just doesn't work like that anymore. And I've been so inspired, not just by your story and other people like it, but by a book that I'm reading called The Squiggly Career that talks about this idea, this paradigm of, or, or this, this idea of jumping between professional paradigms and embracing this idea of a non-linear, of a squiggly career that doesn't necessarily go from one point to the next, but, but jumps around between different contexts. And so my question to you is, um, maybe for my own benefit as well, but maybe for the listeners too, is what, was, what is the one most valuable lesson that you learned in navigating a non-linear career path that if you were to advise somebody else, you mentioned that you went and you visited with a person that drew you the picture. If you had to draw a picture for somebody else and say, look, whatever you do, just do this one thing, or this is the most important lesson when navigating a non-linear career path, what would that be? I think there's, there's two things, that, and, and, and it's both things that, that someone told me as a mentor to me. The one is the one guy was also, he made a, a big jump from being an uh, um, advocate. He way back then jumped into going to the ministry, and that's why I met him. And he said to me, Manu, the first time you'd make a jump like that, it feels life-threatening. It feels like you're going to die. It feels everything is, is at stake, you know. He says, but I, he's done it more than once. And he said, so the first jump is extremely scary. But this, this, once you've gone through, hey, but I can actually change careers and I can learn something new. He says, the second time, I can tell you, it's 80% easier. And every time you do that, it becomes much easier because something in you has, has switched to, to, I can learn this, I can, I can figure out how this works. So I think that is, that is a, a, maybe one thing. And if I had to speak to a younger version of myself, I would have advised myself to... To have done it maybe more often. It's not like do it because it's fashion, but but don't be so scared. I think that's that's the one. I, I think there's lots of people that could have made jumps and should have made jumps that never did it because of fear. And I don't think you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, so you must make a very open-minded. Don't shut your eyes. Keep your eyes open. Fuck and everything. Decision, but do your homework, etc., etc. But. But don't let fear keep you in one thing for 40 years or 50 years. If it's fear, if it's just good, you're good at what you're doing for 40 years, do it. Which brings me maybe to the second piece of advice. I remember just after making that shift, I had coffee with a guy one morning and he's a, he was a CEO of a very, very large, well-known company. He left it, sold all his shares, and he then gave me some advice. We were supposed to do a client together and client canceled on us. And my brother said to me, listen, if you've got time with this guy, Use every minute you can. He's, he's, he's very good. And that morning I told him my story and he, and he gave me a couple of, actually three pointers that really I've been clinging to the last 10 years. And I'll take him and use until I go to the grave. So he said to me, 
I said to him, I'm not sure if I should do, you know, this or this or this or this. Uh, or at that. So it was like six months after my job. So I was still figuring out an area of focus where it should go into. And he said to me, my first advice, grow like a tree. So just grow like a tree and, and let your branches explore. It's easier to eventually just cut off a branch or two and say, I can see these are the branches that's really going well. Then he, I said to him, but look, today I still have to do a lot of work just to pay bills. And there's other things I do because I really like doing it. And he said to me, that's, that's mm. right. you will, there's, there'll be the work that you just have to do to pay the bills. But a very important thing is differentiate between the two. Cl draw a clear line. What are you doing just to pay the bills? And what are you doing because you're really passionate about it and you love it? This is an, as the, the moment you become aware of which is which, start doing more of the one and less of the other. And he said, it will tend to one take you 18 months you're going to wake up one morning and you realize, but everything I do now is stuff that I love and I'm passionate about. And I'll tell you, to the, to the day, it, it became true. It took me about 18 months. Yeah. One morning I woke up and realized, I'm doing none of that other stuff anymore that's just paying the bills. I'm now paying the bills and everything through the stuff I'm passionate and I really love. And that brought him to a, a third point I think he gave me that day. I actually met up with him last year for the first time about eight or nine years. I said, before we had our coffee, I said, listen, I, mm -hmm. I just want to tell you something. I, I think I was a good student. You told me three things nine years ago. And I, I'm really stuck to them. And I think the third thing was really, really, really helpful for me. It's, it's, it's been uh, a, a guiding point for me in what I've done the last 10 years. He, he, that day he said to me, he said, and he was an economist of trade and everything. He said to me, our economy and actually no economy in the world is built for a jack of all trades. Economies are built for excellence. Mm -hmm. So he says, it's fine that you grow like a tree and figure out and test different things. You've got to do that. But the day you decide on a topic or a thing that you think this is your thing, try and become one of the best people on that topic. And he said, if that topic comes up around a braai or a Sunday afternoon lunch around a table. If that topic gets discussed, your name has come up with that topic. That, that's, that was always, you know, if they talk about culture, then they must say, oh, but have you ever spoken to Margaret? You must listen to Margaret. So that thing, being a person that can focus on a couple of things and, and be a little bit scattered on, on being intrigued by different things, I think that piece of advice helped me to focus, to try and build in one area as strong as possible. And uh, that advice, I think, mm. has been really good advice for me. It's helped me a lot over the last 10 years. Where, and, and, and as I grew and focused on that, I think the last two years or so, I realized lots of people now will phone me or mail me or contact me and say, why do we hear you, the guy that speaks on culture? Uh, and and, and as, as the more I hear that, the more I know it's not by chance. It's because I did what that guy said to me. And he said to me, Manu, you've got to focus <laughs> on one thing and brand everything you do about that topic and make sure your name and that topic name is synonymous, uh, gets mentioned in the same sentence. And I think it just really helped me. So, so I think if that season had to change and I have to jump to another thing, I'll be able to do it. I'll do that. And I'll, I'll use pretty much the same advice and then I will focus on whatever the next is. Mm. But as long as this season lasts, I'm going to try and make sure 
there's this one thing you become a real expert on. And you must be able to articulate it better than the next guy. You must be able to, uh, and articulation yeah, yeah. is, is understanding. So look for new words of explaining it, describing it, new processes, new sequences, whatever it is. But be very intentional about, yeah, really building that out as as good as possible. Mm. And test yourself with the best out there. Try and speak often with people that's in the same field and try and see what, what are they busy with? What do they speak about? What do they do? What does their processes look like? What's the vocabulary they use? And, and if I get out of a conversation and I, and, and I could go to the people in my team, I'd say, listen, they said nothing we don't know. I think, I think we're matching them now. You know, we, we're getting there. We're getting there. We, we say the same thing. Maybe they, maybe they came to speak to you for that same reason, I think, I imagine. But to answer maybe just your question, My, just one more angle. I think the, the, the key of jumping between professions or careers, or, 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 I think it's, it's learning. It's, if it's, it's learning, 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 it, being open to learn. I studied again recently the, the story of Microsoft. I really tried to get the Microsoft angles from any play the whole journey of the company and on culture and on leadership. And the one guy actually wrote, he said, if there's two words that's going to forever be pasted to Satya Nadella, the current CEO, it's going to be the words growth mindset. And I think, um, you know, we tried to do a bit of a lot of that in here as well. And, um, but I think just those two words, what is the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset? And it's that willingness to learn. And I think if people understand that they can learn to do anything, the jumps will become easier because when something in me says, but just, just figure out how I always say to people, listen, do you think it's difficult to climb Everest? And they go like, yeah, must be impossible. Almost. I said, no, no, no. If somebody's done it, just figure out how they did it. Because if we can do the same thing that they've done, then it's not that difficult. And recently I went to, mm. to swim Robin Island, the, the island crossing. And I remember how many people said to me, oh, I'll never do that. I'll never. The sharks and the cold water. Wada, wada, wada. And I realized if I listen to the scary stories, I will, I will leave it. I'll also go, you know what? And I did tell myself a couple of, why did you register to do something crazy like that? Or I just listened to the people who's done it. There's two guys who's done it more than a hundred times. So I said, go and listen to their videos on YouTube. Speak to the guys who swam it, who's done it. And they would go like, oh, it's easy. So it's, 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 are you going to have so much fun? I swam it the first time on a Wednesday. It was so much fun. I went back on the Friday, I swam it again. I was like, okay, so these are the guys I need to speak to. So I think associate mm -hmm. with people that's done the journey, associate with people that will tell you what the path looks like, and just figure out how. If they've done it, you can do it. And I think that's a big thing mm -hmm. in people's minds is, oh, I don't think if I can do it. No, if someone has done it, you can also do it. it, it you just learn the tricks of yeah. the trades, learn the, the things that are, have to be in place, what to do, what to avoid, etc., etc. And I think then it's, I'm not going to say easy, it's easier, but at least there's a road. It's a path <laughs> that you can follow. <laughs> that makes sense. I love, I love the idea of having a growth mindset. It's almost um, as if some things are impossible, seemingly impossible for some, while other people just seem to effortlessly 
breeze through the impossible, and it's all to do with what happens up here and in here, your approach to those things. Um, all right, so you, you spoke about learning. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think when I just think about, back um, on myself, my own career, and other people that I've learned from, that has been the definitive factor, is the capacity and the willingness to learn, not necessarily to go back to university and do those things, but just to be open, to continuously add to your skill set and to become a beginner again, no matter what it is, what it takes. So, um, so here's my question to you is what are you learning now? Like this week or today, like what is the one thing that you feel you have become a beginner again quite recently? Um, if there is something like that, you don't mind sharing. I think right now we're, I'm on a quest for the last couple of weeks now, maybe due to some irresponsible statement I made, I made to a client and it, Took it very seriously, and he said, "Yes, yes, let's, let's do that." Let's I'm do sorry, that. and then I was like, "Okay, just figure out how to do this now." I think I said something, and I think it really rang a bell with him. I just used this as a small example, and it was—it's about building high performance teams. So I think at the moment I'm, I'm trying to once again get research, get stats, get uh, principles. Get uh, so for me, I had everything under this jacket of culture. And that's how do you build within culture? How do you build a high performance team? And there's as many opinions as there are people. But I think here's, here's how I try to learn. I, I think something I figured out about 10 years ago was there is, if you go to YouTube or to the internet and you start Googling a topic, one or two, maybe three people's names going to continue to, 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 to jump up, which means they are recognized as the world authority on that topic. And, um, the moment you, you realize, okay, but this guy is the guy everybody listens to, sort of. He's like the world. He wrote the books. He gave the seminars. He's got 50 talks on this topic. So I just, I would go to that guy and think, this guy knows the best. I will listen as many videos as I can. I will summarize statements he makes. I will, a friend of mine once gave me some good advice. He said, when you read somebody's book or when you listen to his talk, summarize it into a PowerPoint. I said, well, why? He said, because the PowerPoint eventually becomes your paradigm. It's the way you see it. It's the way you, <clears> and, I've, and I've picked up that numerous times where I would, I could type out um, maybe something someone said, and then immediately say, but wait a minute, how would I say this different? Or what would I add to that point? And, and I never forget this, this one friend of mine once presented something to us and I mean, he he presented this the whole time, and and, and and now and then, I think it was two or th maybe three slides out of thirty or forty. He would make a statement, and at the bottom of the statement, he puts his name. And I thought that's very arrogant. You know, you can't just put your name there. <laughs> I mean, you put John. Is he quoting himself? You just put John Maxwell or Peter Drucker or Nelson Mandela. You know, put the big names. What's your name? He said, Manu, you've you've got to back yourself on your opinion. And, and if you somewhere make a statement and you think, I know this is contrary to what everybody else say, then it's fine. And um, this morning I had an interview with someone. I said to him, listen, here's my take on change. My take, the change theory, according to Martin Uborsov, is people, people love change. Mm -hmm. That's my theory. I don't care if anybody else says people hate change. I don't agree. That's, that's my theory says... Since the day the sperm eats the egg, 
you've been going through change. Everything in your system has been designed for change. Um, you love change. If I tell you, hey, if, if the moment you're packed, I've got a house for us in Camps Bay. Let's go stay there for a year or two. You go immediately. And so it's not the change factor that, that scares us. It's, it's losing control that scares us. So my theory says um, people are scared of losing control, not of change. But to come back to the point is don't be scared to put your name below a, a slide where you say, this is the world according to me. This is my theory. It's okay if you disagree. You can disagree with it. It's, you can have it. But it challenged me, and I also remember it brought me back to as I started this new journey. I, one day uh, we were doing a thing for AFCRI, and a friend of mine I took him with, and I was brand new to this, and he, he's been doing it for 20 years. Yes, and he set me up that day. I mean, he said, Mark, today we're going to speak about leadership with these guys. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, go for it. And five minutes before the session started, he looked at me and he said, listen, I'm just quickly going to HR on the fourth floor. Take the first two hours. I was like, oh, no. I was still trying to talk and, and say, you go nowhere. What am I going to say? And he just left. He knew. He knew he had to leave me in the deep water, literally just leave me there to swim. And for the next two hours, I tried to find stuff on leadership. I've learned over 20 years, but I've never compiled it together. I think I've never put it together. And after the two hours, I realized, goodness, I've got a lot of stuff to say on this topic, but I've never backed it. You know, I've never put it into something. So I think it's, it's something of that. You've got to have to force yourself, push yourself, find out who's the world authorities, learn from them, learn from them, learn. Just con Luckily, uh, on this, I mean, luckily information is so open and available today as, as opposed to say, the old style of, that's I think maybe why you had to study one thing because there was only one place you could study, you know, was you had to go to university. Today we open up this laptop and we cannot get through 2% of the material on any topic. That's how vast the, 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 the material is to learn. So I think you throw yourself into a topic or to a study field. It's just so many things to learn. I think that's what's so exciting, that you can learn to do it. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, sure. That is incredible. Um, uh, I think the one thing that is sticking with me is um, it's just that, that accessibility that we have to, to information and the almost, almost overwhelming democratization of learning and, and how we sometimes need to just carefully assess and package and, as you said, establish what your specific framework is on a topic and just put that into words. That for me, um, that for me just stood out from what you said. All right, so I mean, um, I, have, I have one or two more questions left. Our time is almost up, but but here is here is something that I'm thinking of almost on a daily basis. Maybe yourself as well. But we went through epic seismic shifts in the world of work. Um, you you are a student of culture. You're a student of leadership. A student slash expert and teacher as well. But as you look across teams, uh, companies, workplaces and things, even there with your own team and in your own career um, and daily context, what, in your opinion, do you think, Manu, is the most important, most sought-after skill that we all, 
um, no matter what specific industry we're in, we all need to master in this days and times that we're living in um, at the moment. What, what do you think? I think quickly, uh, I mean, it's not a question I prepped. So the first thing that really comes to mind is listening. We must be able to listen. If we, if we don't hear correctly, we can never advise correctly. We can never help correctly. So I think it gets like a doctor, got to have learned or ask for what's the symptoms where's the pain what is it because you just walk in i just start talking through the whole medical handbook with you it's going to take us very long but if I, so i think listening is a very important uh, aspect because listening leads to a, a level of understanding i think too and the better i understand then i can i can move forward and i also think there's a quote i recently read from um uh, it wasn't Carol Drake. What was that lady that speaks on um, on empathy and vulnerability? Um, Brené Brown. Brown. I think she she said, you know, centuries ago, the leader was a warrior. He he conquered through war, and then uh, so it was the the strongest was the leaders. You know, the the brave hard guys. Let's conquer the world through through physical. Mm -hmm. uh, a battle then the clever people became the leaders the guys who really understood things and processes and and stuff you know they could knowledge became king so from from so people used to to lead with with the hands then with the heads but the leader of the future is going to be one with the heart one that has empathy that can that can understand people i think technology is going to bring us into a playing field we realize that in the industry, um, you know, as, as insurance company, technology becomes accessible to everybody. When technology in the early stages, it was a very big differentiator between companies because somebody had a piece of technology that nobody else had. But right now, when a new piece of technology comes to the market, everybody can get it. Everybody can sort of have access to this new um, coding or, or a new program that's written that whether it's driving sales or whether it's driving the internal process or whatever. So, so technology is very needed, but it's like, it's not such a big differential because most it's accessible to most. If I, if I can put it that way, mm. way I look at it, um, I guess it is a long debate on its own, but I think technology is not a big differential. It's more, it's more leveling us. So something of the leadership of the future is going to be the ability to lead the people that builds innovation. The ability to lead people that builds mm -hmm. execution or implementation. So the ability to lead the teams is going to be a very, very crucial element of this whole game going forward. So I think moving from the hands to the head, something of the future is going to be about the heart and it's the empathy and, and listening. I love that. Yeah, I love that. I've been, the more people I ask this question to, the more I get the same answer. I spoke to, um, um, to Jackie Fanica, who's the CEO at, um, at the Tech Limited, um, not two, two, three weeks ago, and I asked her the exact same question, and the first words that came out of her mouth was uh, empathy. And, and knowing that this is a person that works at the top level of intellectual and mental capacity with, with her people across different, and she's not the only one. Many people that I also, that I research online, they all say the same thing. So I fully agree. 
Manu, there are so many things that we can talk about. Um, I would love for us to do a follow-up, but thanks so much for your insights. Thanks for joining us on the show today. I fully appreciate you sharing your story. I'm sure they, um, I'm not sure if you want to, there to be many more career jumps for you, but I'm sure if there are that you'll navigate them with great success. And good luck for everything that you are doing at King Price. We look up to you, and um, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Maynard. It was a, it was a privilege and a pleasure. I love talking to you, so thank you for that. Mm-hmm.